Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. All right, glad you're with us. Welcome to Hanoi, Vietnam, where, yeah, it is 3 a.m. in the morning. But I'm staying on New York Times. We're actually in a really, really good spot. Uh, I've got to tell some stories later. I'm going to talk about the... It's so funny. Everyone's interested in my scooter ride yesterday. I would not have made it to TV. I mean, the traffic, I've never seen anything like it in my life. When you don't move but a block in 45 minutes and... I, I had no choice. I was either going to run there to the hotel where the, we're doing the TV show or I was going to get on a scooter. So I paid the guy to get on a scooter. I, I got to tell you, the, there, it, the reaction when you tip people here, we have people crying when we give them money because what is, we'll get into this later, but when you have the currency exchange, you know, 20 bucks is worth, what, a half a million, whatever they call it here, dong 250,000 dong is 10 bucks. Yeah. Half a million dong is uh, 20 bucks. I know. And I, uh, well, I'll tell a pretty heartwarming story. Tom O'Shea was with us. He's with our Fox Tom team. is the best. Tom is the best, we yes. We love Tom. We love Tom. Um, so here's the president of the United States. He's now arrived here in Hanoi, in Vietnam. He's going to be meeting with Vietnam representatives and 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 some of the the government officials here um and little rocket man i can't believe he took what three and a half days 2800 miles on a train yeah me and him we traveled together (laughs) we came together we we can't tell that whole story it took a half hour yesterday to tell the whole story about as long to tell it is to do it you know linda leaves a day before me and others and she comes in you know after we land i mean it was the trip from hell we're on a first name basis oh it's unbelievable wonderful all right so there is hopes um so here's where we are so the president of the United States of America is in Vietnam, a 20-some-odd-hour flight. The president is trying to now build upon the success of the first summit. Now, what did we get in the first summit? Let's see. 
we got little rocket man to stop firing missiles over Japan, threatening Guam, threatening the continental United States, threatening even China, the entire region, South Korea. This guy gets mad one day, has nuclear weapons. You're going to lose millions of people across the border. This is not a game. These are human lives. And so the president, unlike past presidents, well, he takes it seriously. And we got, let's see, hostages return, rockets, none of them fired in, in 15 months when they were being fired on a daily basis. We got the remains of our American heroes that were still in North Korea after the Korean War in the 1950s. But you know what? That means a lot to me. That's my family member. I want to give them an appropriate burial and honor them for what they've done. And now, what did the president give in return for that? Nothing. He gave, we still have the sanctions in place. You know, we might have stopped a few military exercises, which we could start up in 10 seconds again if we wanted. And that's it. Nothing else. So now there's, you know, everyone's, well, that's when we fell in love, the president says. Media is making a big deal about it. Let me, let me interpret Trump speak here. That means, oh, we, can, we hit it off at that moment. Um, and relationships mean something, especially you know, at, on, in foreign affairs. President's relationship with China, apparently, I'm hearing, is going to pay massive dividends because they've been you know, stealing our intellectual property. They have had a one-sided trade deal, and we have suffered as a result of it. President doesn't want a trade war. President wants a better deal for the American people, American farmers, American manufacturers, American automobile companies. And that's what he's fighting for. Why do they get to put a tariff 20 percent, 25 percent on an American car? And we're not putting tariffs on theirs. Now, you run the risk of a trade war, but they got to believe you're real. One of the reasons the president's been able to do things that no other president has is because they believe him. You know, maybe this whole media narrative, oh, Trump is a little crazy. Maybe that helps. Nikki Haley even suggested as much when she was the U.N. ambassador. Oh, yeah. I'd go in and say, well, the president's going to do this. And they'd panic, freak out, and we'd get what we wanted. So that's good for this country. You know, as, as I talked about yesterday, we have a chance, you know, with the trade negotiations with China, the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, we have a chance to make this a better, safer world and a more prosperous America if we are now sending our products, manufactured products, our goods and services, even our energy, which we are now energy independent. And we're now a net exporter of energy for the first time in 70 years. No thank you, Mrs. Uh, and Mr. Green Deal people and global cooling and global warming and climate change. And if it rains, it snows, it's something. Um, that's all happening. On top of all the economic success, which we have discussed a long time now. Now, this is going to be a little tricky. The United States is demanding the North Koreans join the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, one of the key conditions, so that that will assist in verifying the phased dismantling of their nuclear program. As a result, the president is saying, well, we're going to open up economic opportunity. Maybe your people will stop starving and maybe you'll create a better way of life. And I love, I'm, I'm reading all these Democrats. And remember, these are the same people that supported many of them. Bill Clinton's disastrous policies with North Korea. Bribery. That's the Democrat. Well, if we give you money and everything, will you promise you'd be nice to us? We'd be nice to you. And that's, that was the premise of the appeasement of Barack Obama with, 
$150 billion in, in cash and other currencies dumped on the tarmac of these mullahs in Iran that chant death to America, death to Israel, and burn our flags. Anyway, so as you prepare for your second meeting with North Korea's leader, Kim Jong-un, we express our shared desire for a diplomatic solution. No, the people that signed this letter, Chucky Schumer, Menendez, Durbin, Feinstein, Leahy, the rest of them, they don't care about the, they don't want the president to succeed. If they wanted the president to succeed, well, the wall that they supported, oh, just a couple of years ago in Obama's second term, they would they would say, oh, OK, we're in dreamers that they declare they have such compassion for. They would have gotten that deal. They would have gotten DACA. They care about furloughed employees. Not enough to sit down with the president in 35 days. Do they care about, oh, sexual harassment and and charges? And I believe I believe I believe Well, only if it's Justice Kavanaugh, not the lieutenant governor of Virginia. Let's be real here. They're phonies. They're so hypocritical. It's not what they say. They, they exploit, they bludgeon, they use these issues for political purposes because that's who they are. They're not serving the American people. What do they represent? What are they fighting for? What? To get rid of airplanes and cows and cars and all gas and oil, which is the lifeblood of our economy. And, and literally, they're going to give us guaranteed housing and guaranteed you know, salaries and family and medical leave and guaranteed health insurance, but you can't keep your own guaranteed daycare, guaranteed college. And now we have an estimate, $93 trillion in 10 years. Oh, how are we going to pay for it? Kamala says, doesn't matter how we pay for it. That's not the question. Yeah, it's the question because you will destroy, and this I'll get to later, you will destroy the single greatest profit wealth producing country in the history of man and you know how i know you know you walk around vietnam and and you give people tips and i'll tell the stories later crying over a 20 dollar bill tip crying which is worth what five hundred thousand dongs and five hundred thousand dong okay and what can you buy for i think blair was saying you can almost buy a flat screen tv you can buy a lot for, for 20 bucks dong. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, anyway, so the letter goes on. The Singapore meeting gave Kim the leadership, the leader of the world's most repressive regime, legitimacy and acceptance on the global stage while effectively undermining our policy of maximum pressure and sanctions. They're full of crap. You know, and all you need to do is go back and look at what did Bill Clinton do and what did Obama do as it relates to uh appeasement and the policies of appeasement that always fail you can't bribe dictators with money they think you are weak and they're right you don't think the mullahs in iran were laughing their asses off when all of a sudden 150 billion pops down on the tarmac the great satan is giving the money to an insane amount. By the way, how many poor people could we have helped with that $150 billion? How many Americans could we have helped? You know, when Bill Clinton, this was in October of 1994, gave a speech and oh, with a sigh of relief, he announced the landmark nuclear agreement between the United States and North Korea. This agreement is good for the United States, good for our allies, and good for the safety of the entire world. 
assured that our nation... I'd like to say just a word about the framework with North Korea that Ambassador Gallucci signed this morning. This is a good deal for the United States. North good Korea deal. will freeze and then dismantle its nuclear program. South Korea and our other allies will be better protected. The entire world will be safer as we slow the spread of nuclear weapons. South Korea, with support from Japan and other nations, will bear most of the cost of providing North Korea with fuel to make up for the nuclear energy it is losing. And they will pay for an alternative power system for North Korea that will allow them to produce electricity while making it much harder for them to produce nuclear weapons. The United States and international inspectors will carefully monitor North Korea to make sure it keeps its commitments. Only as it does so will North Korea fully join the community of nations. Yeah, okay. So then he promised this is a good deal for the American people. What happened? They tried to bribe Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father, and what happened? They pursued nuclear weapons. You know, if you go back in, in 93, the International Atomic Energy Agency accuses North Korea of violating the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty and demands inspectors be given. All right, that's the year before. Then you have literally Kim Jong-il takes over, 94. North Korea and the U.S. sign an agreed framework that Clinton is talking about here. Pyongyang commits to freezing their nuclear program in return for heavy fuel oil and two light water nuclear reactors. Oh, after that? They announced they'll no longer, two years later, will no longer abide by this. And the, the armistice that and, uh, ended the Korean War, we're not going to agree with any of that. It was one of the biggest power play mistakes ever. Now, if you don't have verifiable you know, evidence that they're not going to do it, you're going to lose. And now we're going to get lectures from Chucky e. Schumer and, and all the people that supported giving the mullahs that money. Lectures, you know, as the president said, and I thought it was really, really smart on his part. You mean all the people that failed are now going to negotiate and tell me what to do um, when they have failed all these years? I don't think so. And that's what the president's doing. And but back in America, three days, Michael Cohn, three days, Michael Cohn, Michael Cohn, the hate Trump media mob. Hate Trump media up. That's all we're going to talk about. Or they're going to talk. Well, and the, and the Democrats, what is their top agenda item? To stop the immoral wall that they supported in Obama's second term and the emergency funding to stop 90% of heroin, fentanyl coming into this country, uh, cartels, gangs, and all of the human trafficking, sex trafficking of young girls. No, they don't want any part. They're going to stop that. But again, they, can't, they have a monopoly of compassion for everybody insane all right quick break uh the president is in north korea as is kim jong-un after his three and a half day train ride which makes no sense to me you know there are more than 34 million american smokers i bet that finding a satisfying alternative to cigarettes is at the top of your list if you're a smoker look i've been there before but after many years of smoking i finally made the switch to jewel there's no more worrying about the way my clothes smell worrying about what people are gonna say with jewel everything is so much easier now jewel is a vaporizer that contains nicotine for a satisfying transition when i found jewel it was a complete game changer 
Now, Juul was designed by smokers for smokers to be an alternative to cigarettes. From its simple-to-use interface to its clean technology, well, Juul has no cigarette ash, odor, or mess. So if you're one of the 34 million adults who smoke, know that there is an alternative to cigarettes. Now, to discover the smoking alternative that's nothing like you've tried, visit JUUL.com slash Switch America. That's JUUL.com slash Switch America. And warning, this product does contain nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, as we continue, we're in Hanoi. We're in Vietnam for the hopefully historic summit uh, taking place. Both the president and Kim Jong-un have arrived. They are here, and uh, we'll be giving you all the coverage as it unfolds. But back at home, House Democrats are gearing up for a vote to nullify the president's emergency declaration, which, by the way, as we pointed out, oh, since Jimmy Carter, we have some 33 that are still in play today. Valid emergencies, including many by Obama. You know, and then I love Nancy Pelosi. Oh, we can do it on the Second Amendment. No, you can't do it against the Constitution. How did you become speaker third in line for the presidency? Um, And on top of that, what's the next thing on their agenda? Oh, let's go three days of Michael Cohn. By the way, can they not? I don't know why he's allowing this. Leave the guy alone. He's got the three hardest years of his life ahead of, of him. And what? The, the Russia discussion is going to be behind closed doors. But whatever he has to reveal about Trump is going to be wide open. What? On the day that the president is negotiating in Vietnam for the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. You've got three straight days in a row. Whatever happened to politics ends at the water's edge. Uh, that's non-existent. You know, and this this tour that he's going on, what, to create a distraction from the president's trip? I'm telling you what's happening, though, here. This is not going to play well with the American people. And I'm going to explain this in detail. You know, we see a major shift in suburban women voters because Donald Trump wants to prevent drugs from coming into the country. You know, the 90 percent of heroin. And we're seeing a major shift. 65% of the American people now see that the Democratic Party supports socialism. It is not in sync with where the American people are. And all this stuff about eliminating airplanes and cows and cars and rebuilding every home, not going to fly at $94 trillion. Hey, is your New Year's resolution to get a new job? Then it's time to know about Express Employment Professionals. Now, your local Express office is your connection to a new job, a new career, and you can even complete your application over the phone. And Express prepares job seekers for interviews. They have relationships with businesses. They will help you find that next job. Just go to ExpressPros.com and download the Express Jobs app. Now, job seekers, remember, you never pay a penny, not a cent, at Express. And each year, they're helping over a half a million people find work through ExpressPros.com, and they can help you. Now, one Express associate, Sarah, said, Thank you, Express, for assisting me professionally and personally. Words can neither qualify nor quantify how helpful your suggestions and advice have been. I am forever grateful for your support and your belief in me. You've all helped me shape my career, my professional life. I really appreciate everything you have taught me. Now, to find a location near you, just go to ExpressPros.com or download the Express Jobs app. It's time to get to know Express. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Well, 3.35 a.m. here in Vietnam and Hanoi. Both President Trump, Kim Jong-un, 
have uh, made it to Hanoi, and uh, obviously in light of the big summit. Funny story, I just I just read this on Mediaite. Apparently, Kim, because we're having trouble getting news like we normally would, um, but we're getting it. We're, we're doing our job, I promise. But apparently, Kim Jong Un kicked out White House reporters, and they're having a fit. It's just funny. It's like, oh, no fake news in North Korea. That's the point, Hannity. That's a dictatorship. I'm like, oh, but there, it's an obsessive, compulsive hate, hate Trump media mob. We'll even we'll even destroy a 16 year old kid in the process and call him a racist and rush to judgment. And, you know, it goes on and on. You're laughing. Why are you laughing so hard? Just all I can pray is that somebody had a camera on Acosta. <laughs> That's all I can pray for. Christmas would come early for that footage. In Singapore, it was Especially interesting. if they made him take, like, the back door, like, oh. outside, down the steps. See ya, Costa. By the way, I think we're the only scheduled interview with the president after the summit. Because he didn't have much time. But remember in Singapore. It's tough being number one. Hang on. One. Tough Sing- being number one. Singapore. Singapore. Um, when we were in Singapore, and you were there, and anyway. I was there. But do you remember after I did the interview with the president? Remember, they moved it up, and it's like, five, oh, it, was all a sw- it was a disaster. Every, I mean, the crew were. Poor Scotty. Oh, everybody's so, I mean, dripping wet. There was one night I was doing the show at 9 a.m. in Singapore, and my jacket was soaking wet through Brew. my shirt. It yeah. was, the only reason it didn't show on TV is because the whole shirt was wet. Yeah. It's like you were in a sauna. I was so hot. Oh, so hot. And Here it's cold. It, well, it was great last night. It was like 70 degrees. I mean, yeah. perfect uh, time to do it. I wouldn't say it was 70. I would say it was like 60. Because seventy is like that's like comfortable weather. This is like oh, I'm a little chilly. Okay, like, maybe you're a little chilly. Uh, I, I, we're not chilly. I, 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 I wasn't shorts. chilly doing my show I'm at nine a.m. I'm in long sleeves every day. Oh. I have like three of those. Yeah, Linda has the the palace here. There's one hotel in the west wing of my palace, and we're I in a hotel. Suitcase. I, honestly, the uh, I don't even want to say how bad. It's just it's rough. <laughs> it's just not the palace you have. But, anyway. but each night the crew gets to come and spend some time with me. Here. Well, listen, this is where we set up our radio studio and you and Blair and everybody did a great job. I'm very proud of you all. Oh, thank thanks, you. Thanks, boss. You're doing a good job, too. Oh, OK, thank you. OK. Well, here it is. White House reporters. It's on media. <laughs> they fume after little rocket man boots them from their hotel. I'm sorry. I don't know why I find that funny, it's but that great. is funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, now, here we are. So. Michael Cohn, three days. Forget about politics ends at the, at the water's edge, for, you know, when a president's abroad. Forget about the stakes involved here. Forget about ending the possibility that a rogue regime and, frankly, somebody who has shown himself to be a little unstable has the potential to get in nuclear weapons. Maybe stopping that would be a good thing. Maybe Democrats would care. Didn't they used to always say, imagine a world of peace Imagine no nuclear weapons. Remember, they, they supported unilateral disarmament. This is not a new de- democratic principle or idea here. And this is where their focus is. Three days they're trotting out Michael Cohn, except the two days about Russia are going to be behind closed doors. They, they talk about President Trump. You know, and here's the sad thing. Okay, so Michael Cohn's convicted. He's going to spend three years in jail. And... I'm like looking at this. I'm saying, why would he be doing this? His family has been through enough. Number two, he's got the three hardest years of his life. Number three, I'm like, uh uh-oh, 
Is he now putting himself at risk of another charge? Because one of the things he pled guilty to was lying to Congress, lying on, a, I guess, a loan application and, and tax issues. And I'm like, why would he do that? Now, then, of course, Republicans are going to say, OK, well, which Michael Cohen do we believe? This is what you said the last time. This is what you said then. What is what you say here? This is what you say there. And, you know, all this media speculation that there are documents never before seen and he's going to bring new evidence. OK, I guarantee you, whatever he had, he gave to Robert Mueller, he gave to all the investigators, et cetera, et cetera. This is it is just this is where their mind is. This is hate Trump psychosis. And it's the, the hate Trump media mob eating it up because now they have something else to talk about. Then maybe the president accomplishing something really big, deep and profound and making the world safer. And then you're going to say, well, like the Democrats, well, little rocket man, you know, why would you legitimize him? What? We got our hostages back. No more rockets fired and the remains of soldiers. I'd say so far it's worked out pretty well for the United States of America. And if my family member, one of the remains that came back, I'd be really happy. I would be thankful that they're not in some foreign country where my hero, you know, relative died on a on a battlefield in North Korea. Now we can give him a proper burial and honor. So, you know, all of this is happening. And I'm going to tell you something. This is now. If you watch the Democrats, for whatever reason, they have doubled down on beyond stupid. They are the greatest gift Donald Trump could ever ever want because as they go forward look let me give you an example zogby has a poll out trump gaining with suburban women significantly i mean this is not a small deal he said you know zogby called it a stunning reversal of sorts trump's numbers were down among men but up with women after he agreed to end the shutdown and vowed to get more funding for a wall along the southern border I would say suburban women because every small town and big city in America is dealing with the opioid epidemic. And there's no mom in the country that wants those drugs anywhere near their children. 90% of the heroin, 300 kids a week dying. It's real and somebody everywhere knows somebody that died of this crap. So I think they're looking at it like, oh, and now the president has what, a 52% approval rating? And especially among women, that's not good. And also the president, oh, record numbers of jobs, record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans. You think if this is the this is the state of the economy in 2020, that it's not going to have an impact. Uh, People vote on their pocketbooks. Peace and prosperity drive elections. They always have, always will. And, you know, look at this. Look at their agenda. Another poll out. And I, I saw this and I was like blown away. I saw it on Newsmax. So they picked up a Marist poll. Americans are equally likely to identify as pro-life or pro-choice. A double-digit shift from just last month. Now, they commissioned this poll. And anyway, it was 47% pro-choice, 47% pro-life. Um, and now it's, but it was 55-38 pro-life. Why? Because, let's see. Even if you think you're pro-choice or you use the word pro-choice or legalized abortion, you don't support abortion while the mother's in labor. That's called infanticide. But that's the position that the Democratic Radical Extreme Party has taken. All six, you know, Democratic senators now running for president 
this was, listen, I'm not a fan of Ben Sass anymore, but you did good with this bill. They all six of these 2020 candidates in the Senate, they all voted against the Born Alive Protection Act to protect infants of botched abortions. Oh, that doesn't happen, Hannity. Well, I can go back just a couple of weeks ago and we had a botched abortion survivor on this show telling a story. And that's not the only one. It's happened many times in the past as well. So the Democrats, you know, what? They won't stand up to Ocasio-Cortez and they're now trying to outdo her. I mean, so we got the new Green Deal. Again, this this is amazing. We're going to rebuild every house in 10 years. We're, we're going to, the planet's going to be dead. We're, we're finished in 12. So why all this work? Why bother? Might as well just throw one big party for the next 12 years. Uh, we're going to really reevaluate whether or not Americans should have any more children. Really? Okay. Um, we're going to eliminate meat, rebuild every house. We're going to eliminate airplanes and cows. And then we're going to, what, offer everything to every American free? Oh, we got the cost in from the former head of the CBO. Ninety-three-plus trillion dollars, nearly $94 trillion in 10 years that this new Green Deal will cost America. Never forgetting the fact that for the first time in nearly 70 years, we're energy independent. Oh, and we have two pipelines now being built. Anwar now finally open. Hundreds of thousands of high-paying career jobs in the oil and gas industry, the lifeblood of every economy, and we're going to be a net exporter of energy because we have more energy, oil, gas, coal, than all of the Middle East combined. But we'll give all of that up and destroy the economy on a pipe dream of socialism Guaranteed wage, guaranteed family medical leave, guaranteed vacations, guaranteed health care. But you can't have your own health care because it's going to be Medicare for all. That that alone is $33 trillion in 10 years, $3.3 trillion a year. And then we're going to have, oh, free college. They haven't screwed up K through 12. Really? We pay more per capita per student and get the worst results. Now we're going to go even farther. We'll make... The kids come out of school sometimes dumber than when they went in. And we don't teach them about American history. We don't teach them reading, writing, and math, the skills that they'll need in, in real-life situations. I mean, how many college kids? I talk to college professors. They're like, we have to go back to scratch with these kids because they just were never taught. And I don't blame the kids. I blame this whole system of government schools and this unholy alliance with the teachers' unions and and the Democratic Party. It is an unholy alliance. Now, Elizabeth Warren's going to tax the money you already paid taxes on, a wealth tax, 70, you know, billion or trillion dollars there, and, you know, free daycare on top of free retirement, on top of free health care, on top of free education, on top of every need you want. And nobody, there's 100 Democrats, and many of them 2020, Candidates that are supporting this, it is going to lead to an economic demise, the likes of which the world had never seen. And Kamala Harris, oh, we don't have to worry about the cost. AOC, oh, cost is not the issue. Uh, yeah, it kind of is the issue. You know, and, oh, oh, no, they went even further. Now the White House, uh, the Democrats have a bill criminalizing private gun sales, that's not going to go over either. 
then the abortion, then all the free, then all the promises, then the expenses. Then you look at, well, what's happened under Trump? Well, record low unemployment for every demographic group in the country. Oh, we also have, he kept his promise on trade. He kept his promise with the lowest tax cut, uh, the largest tax cut in history. Oh, he kept his promise on, on conservative justices. Oh, he's fighting like a, a madman, tenaciously digging down deep to get the border wall built like he said he would. What are the politicians fights that hard to keep their promises? They don't. They go there, uh, uh, I don't want to rock the boat. 93 plus trillion dollars is the cost of the New Deal. Bloomberg writing up. And this, by the way, the former head of the ever so prestigious Congressional Budget Office. And it is unsustainable. It is a path to poverty. It is a path to, frankly, you know, all free. Every time you get some security from your government, you are giving up your liberty and your freedom as the price. And that's what would happen. This was put together by Douglas Holtz Eakin. You've heard of his name before. He's the CBO director for a long time. Released a study. Yep. Up to $93 trillion in 10 years. That's a, and Kamala Harris on the Green New Deal. It's not about the cost. She actually said that. And now they've added to the list. Now they want reparations. Bernie Sanders says no to Americans who want to keep private insurance under Medicare for all. You know, see, whatever happened to the pro-choice Democrats? They're not pro-choice. Not at all. Can't even pick your health care. Bernie, damn right I'll raise taxes on the rich. Like all the other candidates. You know, and uh, Eric Holder, well, the electoral college isn't real democracy. Eric, we're a democratic republic. Oh, my gosh. What part of that don't you understand? How did you become attorney general? By the way, activists are blasting the DNC because Fox might do a debate with the Democrats. Oh, God forbid. By the way, we did make an offer to Shifty, the liar, Adam Schiff, full hour of TV. Predictions. Is he going to come on? Uh, put your mic up. Hey, Blair, will you turn my microphone Thank on? you. All right, is he going to come? Thank co- you, Blair. You think Adam Schiff takes me up on my hour? Yes or no? Yes. Uh, Kristen, what do you think? You say yes. Tom O'Shea, what do you say? No. Sweet baby, No. Uh, Blair, no. We ought to have a bet. You want to have a bet on it? Let's have a bet. All right, 800-941-SHIFT. I bet on world peace. <laughs> well, um, sweet baby James, you think Shifty's going to come on? Oh, please come on. Adam, please. Listen. Please. Listen, Pretty Adam please. Schiff would be... I'll give him three hours on radio, too. How's if he, that? If we do it on the show, he'll be fantastic. It'll be a great opposing view. And you know mm-hmm. what? It's good to have controversial voices. Agreed. Bill Maher was right. Yep. If we don't have an open forum to have open discussion, he has ideas that are different than ours. What better voice than Adam Schiff? That's it. Let's do it. 600 and some odd uh, radio affiliates. There's a lot of people. They're listening. Number one show on cable. I know I sleep better at night knowing he's out there. Just as he's meeting with Kim Jong-un, Michael Cohen is on Capitol Hill. He has two private meetings and one public testimony on Capitol Hill. How could that impact the negotiations we see in North Korea? What could we see the president give away? I think the president's just looking for good press. I mean, let's just be frank. He felt like he got a good 
good press after the last one, and he figures a, a, another photo op might might do that. Did and the president say that he loved Kim Jong Un again this they, weekend? They this, what, Love and kisses. Role. Did he? I don't know. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show eight hundred nine four one. Sean toll free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program? Uh, as we come to you from Vietnam, we're in Hanoi for the historic summit. But don't worry, Democrats. You know, politics ends at the water's edge. Not really, because. What are the Democrats now doing? They are, oh, Michael Cohen hearings all week long while the president is negotiating the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. They cannot control themselves. Then, of course, they want to stop the president's emergency declaration because building walls is immoral. But only when, oh, Republicans do it, not when Democrats do it. Um, You know, and to get the lecture, you know, that was sent by, you know, all these Senate Democrats to the president about how to deal with North Korea based on the history of Democrats dealing with North Korea and Bill Clinton trying to bribe them, just like Obama, you know, was absolutely feckless, weak and impotent in dealing with the North Koreans and the Iranians. It's pretty unbelievable. But I will say this. There is a new poll out. If you look at the Gallup poll and the survey found 58 percent of Americans believe the U.S. rates very or somewhat favorably in the world's eyes. Now, what does that mean? Perceptions of how the world views the U.S.? Well, that's a 16-year high with Donald Trump projecting strength, which, of course, Obama never did. Uh, Anyway, we're in North Korea, and uh, we're glad to have with us uh, Dan Hoffman is here with us, as well as Dan Bongino, two rock stars. They know this business better than anybody. Guys, good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back, Sean. Both, both Fox News contributors. What happened to uh, politics ends at the water's edge? You know, the, Sean, I want to highlight the letter, uh, and I wish the Democrats had gone back through history and remembered Ronald, President Ronald Reagan in 1986 in Reykjavik walking out of a meeting uh, with Secretary Gorbachev and not signing a deal demanding that the president bring back something tangible. Yes, we'd like to see something tangible, but the president has said he's not in a rush, and I think that's exactly the right tone to take with Kim Jong-un. Democrats would do well to just study a little bit of history, I think. Yeah, well, I think they need to do that. You know, and all of this going back, I mean, no offense to Michael Cohn, but Michael Cohn's going to jail. Yep. And I would think, I think he's being used by the Democrats. I think they have timed this out politically. And I think it's embarrassing for them. It's all part of their new extremism and radicalism. It try, you know, try to be objective for a moment if you're in the listening audience, right? And think about it. If you were kind of a space alien observing the politics of the United States, think about how embarrassing and petty this makes the Democrats look. On one hand, you have the President of the United States negotiating a potential path to the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, a persistent problem now for decades that could lead to, you know, mass extinction in areas of the earth. And then on U.S. soil, you have this political party talking about taxi cab confessions up on Capitol Hill. I mean, did the Democrats not see, hey, Sean, politics is two things, right? It's sound bites and snapshots. So the Democrats soundbite is a taxi cab confessions at a snapshot of them interviewing a guy about petty stuff while Trump's meeting with Kim Jong-un overseas. The foil effect here is unbelievable. They look so petty and ridiculous. Look at this note that all these liberal leftist Democrats, I mean, the same people that supported Obama on his feckless foreign policy, Robert Menendez, Dick Durbin, Feinstein, Schumer, uh, Leahy, you know, all the radical left wing senators. For them to lecture Trump, they actually said in this letter, as you prepare for your second meeting with 
North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un, we write to express our shared desire for a diplomatic solution. They sound like Neville Chamberlain because that's what they supported under President Clinton. Let's bribe our enemies. Let's bribe murdering dictators in the hopes that maybe if we give them money, they'll be nice to us. And just the opposite always happens. And then Dan Hoffman, they say, you know, well, you gave meaning the Singapore meeting gave Kim the leader of perhaps the world's most repressive regime, legitimacy and acceptance on the global stage while effectively undermining our policy of maximum pressure and sanctions. Uh, these are the same people that dropped $150 billion in other currency on the tarmac in, for the mullahs in Iran, and we did get hostages back. Rockets aren't being fired. We got remains back, and the president gave nothing. He lifted no sanctions, nothing. Yeah, I think, listen, we're on a, we're on a good path right now. Uh, the one thing that we gave up was with that we canceled military exercises for roughly the past seven or eight months. Aside from that, yeah, no nuclear tests in September 17, no missile tests uh, since November. We, re- we got three hostages back, the remains of our fallen soldiers. The North Koreans have begun dismantling the Sohei satellite launch site, according to um, South Korean intelligence. And they've also started dismantling the Pungiri nuclear test site. We are right now ready uh, to negotiate with Kim Jong-un, bringing inspectors into North Korea so that we can confirm that that some of this, uh, that some of the dismantling of these sites has begun actually to take place. Um, And I also think that, uh, you know, look, we're on the right path and and it's a long process. Um, And I think that uh, those Democrats who are criticizing the president have to understand, too, they're part of the story and Kim Jong-un's inner circle is looking at this, and that may impact how Kim negotiates with the president, which is not what any of us wants. How is it possible? Why didn't Kim Jong-un, and maybe this sounds like a superfluous question, Dan Bongino, but I really would like to understand why he went 2,800 miles on a train to get to the summit. What was it, three and a half days? It's got to be some form of paranoia. I can't imagine any kind of viable uh, logistics reason for doing that. I mean, speaking as a former security uh professional my, myself with the Secret Service, it's certainly not for safety reasons. I mean, think about, uh, you know, when the Secret Service, when we try, I used to do motorcades. I was a transportation section agent. You know, we wouldn't even motorcade, generally speaking. Everything would be a lift if it was over 10 or 15 miles because you have to think of things like ingress, egress, security areas. Can you secrete yourself into a forested area and hit the road we're on, you know, RPGs and things like that? Can you imagine a train? I mean, there's no amount of armor that's going to be able to sustain a, a, an attack. I don't know why. he would Maybe some kind of symbolic uh, thing for him. Apparently his uh, father and grandfather had taken this train route before, so maybe there's some kind of internal political victory he thinks he's getting from this. But for security reasons, Sean, it's a total disaster. I don't know what he was thinking. Let's go back, because how did we get here? We got here because President Trump, uh, Trump talked about Little Rocket Man, and talked about fire and fury and my button's bigger than yours and my button works. And the media Democrats, they go into total freakout mode, never anticipating all the good things that I just mentioned would ever happen. Listen, the idea of a nuclear showdown with North Korea keeps you up at night. I would recommend deleting your Twitter app. He is not merely being cavalier with a threat about nuclear war. He's being cavalier in a way that makes him seem demented. These are the messages from a person who is not well, from a leader who is not fit for office. President Trump is goading Kim Jong-un to 
uh, test a nuclear missile again to uh, prove its reliability, to show him wrong. And fundamentally, I think it comes across as two kindergartners who are jostling each other, except that each has nuclear weapons. Well, here's uh, 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 too late after 100,000 Americans die. After so, a nuclear holocaust. Or after a million die in Seattle. And that's where we are. This he, is not an exaggeration. Trump's comments about nuclear weapons have experts worried he could literally inadvertently trigger a catastrophe. Trigger a catastrophe. Um, the president had a great tweet, Dan Bongino. So funny to watch people who failed for years. They got nothing telling me how to negotiate with North Korea. Thanks anyway. They're total frauds. I mean, I remember being in the Czech Republic when uh, Obama was signing the START Treaty, the uh, the renewed START Treaty there, uh, a treaty that was a total failure. The Russians promptly, like, merved up their missiles and basically laughed in our faces. And Obama shot at the time that summit. He was celebrated like this was the second coming, like we were all supposed to have parties in our name, a national holiday after. Well, why did he get that peace prize anyway? Yeah, but, what did nobody, he do? Because he was elected president. Nobody figured that out to this day. But which is what's interesting about this is we have an actual listen. I, I, let's not get crazy. We don't need to be hyperbolic. But Trump has had tangible metrics. Dan Hoffman here just laid out of success with the North Koreans. And it's being disregarded as just some kind of a fluke, which goes to show it's really the media's nonsense, not Trump's. Oh, I mean, that's the point. I mean, Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It, guess what? They said about Reagan that he was going to start World War Three. He was going to bring us a nuclear holocaust. They were afraid of peace through strength. It, it, Look, these leaders are not stupid. Some of them are evil, but they're not stupid. And they react to strength. They're not going to react to weakness. And they sense, a, I think, a strength in Trump that didn't exist in Obama. Dan. Now, I think President Trump gut instinct, his gut instinct was, look, I've got to engage with Kim Jong-un. There's one guy who matters in North Korea, and that's Kim Jong-un. And if you don't start top down you're not going to accomplish much of anything at all. And I think the criticism of, of President Trump's approach, we heard a lot of it, was people who thought that we shouldn't award Kim Jong-un with a summit. Quite the contrary. If you want to proceed with an inventory of North Korea's ballistic missiles and nuclear arms, which we had no chance of acquiring before, uh, if you want in arms inspectors to enter North Korea, um, then you've got to get agreement at the top with the leaders. And I will tell you that, that these two leaders don't have a whole lot in common, but one thing they do have in common is that they break convention. Kim Jong-un, the first North Korean leader ever to cross the line of demarcation, meet his South Korean counterpart, the first North Korean leader ever to meet a sitting president. We know our president breaks convention, and I think that's been part of the key to uh, to giving us a chance here of solving with this, this Gordian knot, ripping it apart. Well, we know what they're looking for. We know a lot of times with these summits, Tam Bongino, that... They're kind of predetermined outcomes. I don't know if that's the case here. I mean, because Donald Trump's more willing to take a risk than other politicians. Um, but I do think one of the key demands is that the United States is saying to North Korea rejoin the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty as one of the key conditions to assist in verifying their phase dismantling. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump has a unique set of circumstances here, Sean. One of the lessons in the Iraq war, when you, you speak to a lot of foreign policy folks that uh, some of these foreign governments took, was never, ever go to war with the United States without nuclear weapons. The Iraqis got promptly slaughtered on the battlefield. So Kim has to know that. He's a tyrant and he's insane, uh, but he's not stupid from a tactical perspective. So he has to understand that. But also, him coming to Vietnam, I believe, is pretty symbolic. I mean, think about it. You have two models for unification, the German model, right, and the Vietnamese model. In one case, 
capitalism and freedom won. In the other case, socialism and communism technically won. And I think him coming here is suggesting that, hey, if you're willing to kind of fold a little bit on not allowing me to you know, fall from power and some kind of power-sharing agreement, maybe if we move towards this Vietnam model, I'd be willing to give you but some But the single best thing, if he wants to maintain power, is, is the people got to eat and they've got to be satisfied. Yeah, and they're starving. And they're starving. Yeah, they have no hard currency. All right, Dan Bongino, Dan Hoffman with us, 800-941-SEAN. As we continue, we are in Hanoi. We're in Vietnam. Hannity live tonight. We had an amazing show. Tell you about that. Uh, and much, much more. Now the president and Kim Jong-un are on the ground in Hanoi. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity's show. Uh, oh, Rod Rosenstein uh, speaking out. Interesting what you can glean from his comments. And, yes, it's going to be three days of Michael Cohn hearings, never ending, because this is what the Democrats want to do when the president's trying to negotiate the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Dan Bongino, Dan Hoffman with us. Uh, Dan Bongino, I'll start with you. I want to ask one political question. How does it play out with the Democrats? Three days in a row, they're bringing in Michael Cohn. Michael Cohn. And secondly, oh, they're also trying to stop the president's emergency declaration to fund the border wall, which, by the way, is where 90 percent of our heroin comes in, which kills 300 people a year. They used to be smarter than this. I, I can't say this enough. Politics is simply sound bites and snapshots, pictures and small quotes. Do you really want to be on the front page of the Slimes and the Washington Post talking about uh, taxicab confessions and Stormy Daniels while the president's photo and snapshot is, you know, we may have a deal about some path to denuclearization? How does that look? Remember the foil effect, right? They put a diamond on a black background to make it look shinier. I mean, the black background here is going to be the Democrats talking about, uh, you know, a, a, a potential payoffs to a porn star years ago that have nothing to do with the politics. It looks ridiculous. But they're going to avoid the top. The topic is there. What well, everybody knew about the Trump Tower Moscow project that never got off the ground, Dan Hoffman. But this is this is what they're doing while the president is here in Hanoi in Vietnam. Yeah, I, I got to say, listening to all this, it, it makes me thankful that for 30 years I was just focused on our foreign policy and uh, blissfully unaware of all the domestic turmoil that swirls around. Look, I, I just got to bring this back to the North Korea challenge. This is a huge, complex challenge for us. Kim Jong-un considers the United States to be an existential threat. At the forefront of his mind is the lesson of Muammar Gaddafi, who gave up his nuclear weapons, lost control of his, uh, his country, sodomized, shot in the head. That's how it ended for him. And there's no doubt that, that Kim Jong-un is very cautiously approaching every single step he takes. That's why it's important that President Trump is here right now negotiating. And what I hope is that we can keep our focus on this extraordinarily complex challenge, which has such an impact on our national security. All right, great job. Uh, they will, Dan Hoffman, Dan Bongino, also with us all week here in Hanoi in Vietnam. Uh, both the president, Kim Jong-un, little rocket man, have arrived. We'll have the latest details tonight on Hannity. We're going to break down just how insane the Democratic Party has gotten. Also, when we come back, we have deep state news. What about the Cone testimony and Rod Rosenstein's suggestion that, well, this might not be what you think as it relates to the Mueller report as we continue from Hanoi, we're in Vietnam. It's the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. As we continue our broadcast, we are live. We're in Hanoi. We're in Vietnam. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Obviously, the summit with the president and the talk of denuclearization. But, of course, don't worry. Your favorite Democrats, they're focused on other things like 
oh, how can we nullify securing the nation's borders, which just a couple of years ago they were willing to pay for, but now they view it immoral, only immoral because Donald Trump, he's the guy that wants to secure the border. I guess they don't want to give him credit for that. Um, Then, of course, we've got the curtain rising for Michael Cohn, three straight days of Capitol Hill testimony, so much for, oh, politics stops at the water's edge. That's not going to happen. And, of course, they're going to do it one day after another, drag it out, try and embarrass the president as much as they can. Uh, I know a lot of Republicans, Jordan and Meadows, Democrats put out the welcome mat for somebody who is a convicted liar. Uh, we can't trust Michael Cohn. A lot of politics involved in all of this. Byron York had a piece. The Cohn hearings are designed to keep the public in the dark about Russia. Yeah, because two of the three hearings that are about Russia are the ones that are not being broadcast. That would be the reason for that. Now, on other news, we have a lot of interesting stuff happening. Uh, We have, number one, even Chairman Cummings is asking the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein to publicly testify before the committee. That will be interesting to watch, and we'll see what happens with that. Um, And then you got Rod Rosenstein seeming to lower hopes for what the public will see of the Mueller report. And also stating that government transparency isn't always appropriate, meaning William Barr is going to decide, which is Department of Justice rules, which came about because of people like Eric Holder and Janet Reno after Bill Clinton was impeached. And they didn't like the Star report. But now that it's a Republican, of course, they changed their mind. Uh, So Rod was speaking at the Center for International Studies and I'm going to play a few of the cuts here, and then we'll get to David Schoen and Greg Jarrett. There's a knee-jerk reaction to suggest that we should be transparent about what we do in government, but there are a lot of reasons not to be transparent about what we do in government. You know, the government, just because the government collects information doesn't mean that information is accurate, and it can be really misleading if you're overly transparent about information that the government collects. So I think we do need to be really cautious about that. But as a general principle, you know, my view is the Department of Justice is best served uh, when people are confident that we're going to operate when we're investigating American citizens in particular. We're going to do it with appropriate sensitivity to the rights of uncharged people. And as I mentioned in my remarks, when we charge somebody with a violation, we need to be prepared to prove it by evidence beyond any reasonable doubt. And you know, the guidance I always gave my prosecutors, the agents that I worked with uh, during my tenure on the front lines of law enforcement were, uh, if we aren't prepared to prove our case beyond a reasonable doubt in court, uh, then we have no business making allegations against American citizens. Uh, but I can tell you that I think the regulation was appropriately written to ensure that we can be confident that the investigation was conducted in an independent way and that uh, if that special prosecutor believed something should be done and we prohibited him from doing it, there would be a report about that to Congress at the end. Now, beyond that, uh, I think Attorney General Barr is going to make the right decision. We can trust him to do that. He has a lot of experience with this. You know, Bill Barr, when he was Attorney General the first go-round, uh, in the course of his 14 months or so, he appointed a couple of special councils in that era. They were not subject to this regulation, obviously, but uh, but I think we can we can count on him to do the right thing. But the question that Suzanne adverts to, which has been a subject of much speculation, is what's the Attorney General going to do? You'll have to ask him. 
that question. But, uh, but, but we are, the special counsel regulation actually was put together in a very thoughtful way. And the goal of the special counsel regulation was to ensure that when the attorney general, the acting attorney general, believed it was appropriate, uh, that we would establish a process whereby there would be some additional independence. And the structural independence really comes in in the fact that a special counsel, if the special counsel uh, proposes to take an action and is overruled by the attorney general or the acting attorney general, we're required to report that to the Congress. That's the structural independence provided in the statute. Now, interesting things he's saying there. There are a lot of reasons not to be transparent about what we do in government. Well, the attorney general, William Barr, the new attorney general, has full, complete control over what is or is not released in the Mueller report. Then you got him saying, Rod Rosenstein, the DOJ is best served when we proceed with the appropriate sensitivity to the rights of uncharged people, meaning uh, if you don't have enough to bring this to court and file charges, uh, you know, you've got to be, you know, there's the due process presumption of innocence, which nobody, you know, it's now guilt by accusation in America. Then we have, you know, Barr will do the right thing and so on and so forth. Anyway, we have that. Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax, just released in paperback. David Schoen, criminal defense, civil liberties attorney. Uh, welcome both of you. And I guess the first question is three straight days of Michael Cohn uh, going before one congressional committee after another while the president is here in Vietnam uh, trying to denuclearize and get an agreement to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula. Greg Jarrett. Well, it's curious Congress would want to hear anything. Michael Cohen has to say, pled guilty to lying to Congress, and now Congress wants to hear from him again, they can reasonably expect more lies. Cohen has no credibility. He's a prodigious, prolific liar. He lied to the IRS, the lawyers, his accountants, bank officials, and Congress. Now, suddenly, he wants us to believe him not likely. Not even prosecutors in his case believed him. They called him a liar. And they've refused to engage in a cooperation agreement with him. So what's the point of all of this? He can never be called as a witness in any case because no one would ever believe Michael Cohen. And that is what is going to happen uh, today, tomorrow, and the next day. Is he putting himself at risk, David Show, meaning Michael Cohen, of yet another charge of lying to Congress? And why would any lawyer of his allow him to do this when... He is, you know, he's got three years in jail that he's headed towards. Well, let's remember, he, at least one of his lawyers, has a very clear agenda, and that's an anti-Trump, pro-Clinton-Obama agenda. So that may be one reason the lawyer would have a conflict in advising him for that basis, but that's what we've seen so far. Let's, let's call it what it is. Michael Cohn made clear from a long time ago that his agenda now is to put himself and his family first no matter what. Michael Cohn now trades in the currency of lies. For him, lies are cash. The more lies he tells about the president, the more friends he makes in Congress and on the Mueller team and maybe even in the Southern District of New York. So the lawyer made a calculated decision, one would think, that he's going to help himself more by testifying and saying what Democrats on the committee and maybe what Mueller wants to hear. There are a couple real problems here. And Greg asked the question, you know, and you asked. Well, he would have already told Mueller because I guess he met with Mueller many, many times by this point. Right. Or not told Mueller, as we recently saw when Mueller had to declaim uh, something that Mm -hmm. uh, the BuzzFeed had said. He said, but listen, think about some of the practicalities of this. If they intend to go into something that's within the bailiwick of Mueller, 
That's a real problem. At least we were told that was a problem before with different kind of testimony. We were told that the Mueller uh, mandate was so broad. Rosen's, when we wanted to prosecute Manafort and Flynn, Mueller had carte blanche effectively. Um, so now intelligence committees especially, which I think will prove uh, how bad a misnomer that is for a committee's title, um, if they go into that area, that's a problem. But there are also privilege problems still out there. Everyone seems to have assumed those went away. I believe the president should have a representative at all three of these hearings to be able to invoke privilege. There should be no member of Congress who uh, accepts in any regard or even takes a chance of accepting privileged testimony. This is not a free-for-all. Uh, just because Mueller, uh, Cohn is going to claim potentially the president committed crimes, that doesn't open the door to all of what the media now is reporting Cohen is going to claim about what the president has said to him as his client. And, Greg, I think this privilege issue is very important because if there's certain issues that don't involve any type of crime, uh, where is the obligation, the ethical obligation of a lawyer to keep secret that which is said to him in an attorney-client environment? Well, that's absolutely correct. But Cohen doesn't care. I mean, this is a guy who tried to monetize his association with Trump after Trump won the presidency. Cohen was running all over the place, bragging he could gain access and influence. And he, in fact, snookered people into thinking he could, and he profited by it financially. He's a con artist. He is the quintessential sleazeball. He was tape recording his own clients while acting as a lawyer, including Donald Trump. I mean, given Cohen's astonishing level of criminality, he should be doing 20 years behind bars. Well, I mean, the sentencing recommendation, if I recall, was 54 to 61 months or something in that area. He got 36 months. So doesn't that suggest that he got some type of deal, David? Of course, and it suggests all other things suggest that he's still trying to make that deal even better. Let me give you two examples of how this could become very problematic, even though everyone wants to hear because it's such sexy testimony. Remember, this is a these are members of Congress among them who honored uh, Mr. Strook, who was an admitted liar, cheater, etc. So they're going to want all of this stuff, privileged or not, to come out, and it's inappropriate. But take, for example, the Stormy Daniels situation. People want to know about, want Cohen to testify about money paid to Stormy Daniels. It's not at all clear that if money were paid to Stormy Daniels and the president approved it, that a crime was committed. So we don't bring that in under the crime fraud exception because people just want to hear it. There may have been no crime whatsoever there. It may have been an embarrassment, um, and people pay all the time to stop embarrassments. But what if it was Cohen who proposed a crime and assured the president that the conduct was legitimate or legal? Does that now give Cohen to be able to trade on the advice that he gave the president, get mileage out of it? We're already hearing that he's gonna, Cohen is going to talk about the president's financial transactions, which then the House Oversight Committee will use to demand the tax records. Cohen here, again, this is not a free-for-all. Cohen doesn't have license to open the president up to uh, liability because of his lies, Cohen's lies. If you look at what the Democratic Party is doing here, um, I don't care if it's – I ran over some numbers earlier. You know, Americans view our place in the world 19 percent higher than it's been in, in many, many years. The Democratic Party, you know, look at this whole new Green Deal issue. Then they're fighting for the right to literally abort children during the birth process, which is insanity. And even stopping, you know, a born alive protection act in case of a botched abortion. Then it's they want to totally remake American society. And 
I'm watching the radical extremists take over this party, Greg Jarrett, and this is just adding to it. And I think for the president to the image of him in Vietnam versus the image of Democrats dragging Michael Cohn back up to Capitol Hill three days in a row while the president doing that is horrible optics for them in the eyes of the American people. Well, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, Democrats um, seem to be oblivious to the obvious blowback that will likely occur by virtue of not only calling Cohen uh, to to testify before Congress three days in a row, but, you know, there is this continuous push to impeach the president, articles of impeachment. They were talking about this before Trump was ever sworn into office in January of 2017, and it's only gained currency Notwithstanding, but the now fact. we have to, yeah. But now we have to go back, Greg. This is the Russia hoax. This is your book, sure. And you know, when James Baker, the chief counsel of the FBI, now we know wanted to indict Hillary, and was talked out of it by a a political opponent that was the head of the FBI, and by a Trump hater by the name of Peter Strzok, and then of course her obstruction of justice, then the FISA abuse, and everybody was warned what was what FISA was all about. Now we begin to see, as we put all of this together, it has been a one-sided witch hunt while ignoring the biggest abuse of power scandal in history. This is not hyperbole on my part. You know, we've now, we've now produced enough evidence proving it. It's incontrovertible. Right. You know, the presidency of Donald Trump has been consumed by this damning fiction the Russia hoax. It, it is surely the dirtiest political trick in modern American history, secretly financed by Hillary Clinton, uh, conceived by a foreign agent with a checkered past in es- espionage, and then it was brokered to solicitous collaborators at the FBI and the Department of Justice. And the premise of the hoax was as outlandish as the actions Uh, by those who advanced it. They they claimed that Trump was a Russian agent who had spent years colluding with the Kremlin to steal the 2016 presidential election. And as with most political smears, it was bereft of any evidence. All right, guys, we're going to let you go. David Schoen, Greg Jarrett, thank you. And when we come back, News Roundup, Information Overload. Wow, there are some amazing things that we have learned in Vietnam. We're going to talk about that next. Coming up next, our final News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. And News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, right down our toll-free telephone number. It is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program as we continue our broadcast. We are in Hanoi. We're in Vietnam. It is, yeah, 5 a.m. And we'll be on Hannity at 9 a.m. It is a little little topsy-turvy. Linda was a little happier yesterday than she is today. I think she actually, you probably got sleep Sometimes when you get more sleep, you get a little crankier. I actually got no sleep. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Here comes the story. All right. I'm not telling the story. I think we should tell your story. Well, the, the funny thing that happened, and I don't know, did, it go, did a lot of people look at it on, oh, yeah, on to our website alone? Three million? Wow. Half a million. Oh. Half a million. Okay. On our website, Hannity.com. So what, well, what happened? Your yes. promotional skills are fantastic. What happened yesterday was... So we're broadcast, we're, we're, we're in one hotel. Now, Linda has the palatial palace. So we come over here, we do radio, and there's a great radio setup. 
and and Blair and my brother-in-law James are with us every day and Kristen and, and, and Tom and Dan Hoffman Dan Bongino. and my other brother-in-law yeah so yesterday we're trying to get to TV and so it's only supposed to be a 15-minute drive and we get in a van at 7:15 a.m. and all right not a big deal a lot of traffic so we get in the van and we're literally Tom was with us and we get in the van. And literally, we stop moving. It's not moving at all. And we do have somebody to help kind of guide us that lives here. And we say to the person, um, it's almost 8 o'clock. I'm on the air. You told me this was a 15-minute drive. We, do you want me to walk? Because I got to decide now. Because I'm not missing my television show after flying 26 hours to Hanoi for the summit. I, I'm not missing the show. If I had to run, I would have run there. And anyway, so she, she gets out of the van. She goes over. Now, you got to understand, we put the videos up. Traffic in Vietnam is unlike anything you've ever seen. They're all scooters everywhere. I mean, and it is like the most, there's no traffic laws at all whatsoever. And so we literally get out. She gets, she commandeers two taxi scooters and we get on the back of them. So the street is so busy that the sidewalks are where everyone drives the scooters. We're driving on the sidewalk and there's no room on the sidewalk for anything because there's thousands of these scooters. And so we, we get to TV and we, we actually took videos of me on the thing. And apparently a lot of people like that. Um, you thought it was funny. Did you see it the last night? I mean, listen, you've been wanting to get a Harley for a while, so I guess baby steps are in. Yeah, okay. So the scooter is, I've told the scooter story before, the Vespa, but the bottom line is it, I've never seen so many scooters, and everyone drives like a maniac, and I've yet to see an accident. I can't, and oh, the, the most unbelievable thing, remember we saw, we saw like an infant that had to be six months old. And a guy holding the infant in one hand, driving the scooter in the other. Then you got what I thought was incredible is the, the amount of, you know, stuff that they can carry on the back of the scooter. Now imagine, you know, six, eight boxes, two rows locked into the back of the scooter. And I'm thinking, well, when you're on the highway, eventually at some point, those suckers are going to fly off and kill 2,000 people behind you. And But yet I've never seen that happen. It's like a work of art. And long story short, we got to the place. And so how long did it take you on the scooter? It only took about 10, 12 minutes. It wasn't bad at all. Did you hang on tight? No, not really. <laughs> did you have your feet up on, on the little peggies? I had the pegs, yeah. They had the yeah. pegs. Yeah. So, uh, oh, this is another thing I'm noticing about. Was your hair all windblown when you got to the studio? All right, you done? Yeah. Are you finished? I could go for miles. You can go for miles. One of the most amazing things, um, and when we went you weren't there for this. We all go, and I met a bunch of Marines from Okinawa. And so I said, oh, you know, all of a sudden we start talking. We all sit down. Then, like, my whole team of radio and TV people, we all sit down. And we're ordering beer, and we're ordering pizza, and I'm ordering everything. You know, it was, I'm learning so much about these guys. One guy from Tennessee, one guy from D.C. You know, these are wonderful people telling wonderful stories, how heroic they are. And there's a lot of support from our military, obviously, for a massive safety security operation for the president. And at, long story short, so I get the bill, sign, sign it to my room, and I can't read how much Vietnam money is. It's like $17,865. No, I'm just signing my name away. Um, 
What is a $20 bill? What is the currency exchange on a $20 bill? Does anybody know that, Linda? Yeah, it's like 500000 Blair and I were at the ATM the other day, and I was trying to get, you know, currency, and it's the dong. So, but... When you go to the ATM, you go to get money out, and it get, it gives you a choice. It's like two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, one million. I'm like, good God! I'm like, what am I getting here? So I'm doing the the exchange, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm like, all right, so that's twenty bucks. All right, so we're fine. Okay, so we all have this dinner. Nobody speaks English for the most part here. Very few people, very few in Vietnam speak English, and it's the way. Can I can I interrupt for one second? Can I tell there a is a universal note? language, though, that I found out. But go ahead. Money. Money. Money is the universal language. Today, I got uh, seven phone calls while I was trying to sleep during the day and stay on East Coast time. Yeah. And each time I say, please don't call me. No, please don't call me back. Call. Cool. I will call you when I'm ready for whatever I need. Thank you. They called seven more times. I'm like, <laughs> who I was it? It was it was the, the I had ordered something and it was being shipped to this room. And I was like, all right, I'm glad it's here. Thank you very much. I'll give you a call later. I'm sleeping. I'll come down and get it. They call seven more times. Then they come up and ring the doorbell. So I come to the door and, oh, hello. We have your package. I'm like, yeah, I said I would call you. Here it is. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. Just bring it in. Tom, get up to that microphone over there because you were there when I left. So anyway, I pay the bill. Um, again, I'm looking at 17000 whatever the thing is. I have no idea how much I'm signing away. Unlike Linda, I never check the currency exchange. I just keep American money. And anyway, I'm like, okay, this guy's been great. So I hand him a hundred dollar bill, you know, as a tip, the guy, Tom, why don't you pick it up from there? Because Tom O'Shea is with us, a good friend of ours from Fox. Apparently when uh, Sean gave the, the waiter a tip, it was a hundred dollars. And what had happened, the waiter couldn't believe his eyes. He looked at it totally mesmerized. And he said, this is for me. And, one said, yeah. He goes, no, really? Yeah. And with that, the waiter started to cry. Because that, that amount of money, which was what I've discovered here, is unfathomable to many, many people that are working really hard. Now, again, we live in America. We take it for granted. We're blessed beyond measure. The- I wouldn't take it for granted. You can give me $100 every time I come over there and bring you your articles, you gonna cry? your water, your coffee. I, that's called your Christmas bonus, so I don't want to hear it from you. Um but then with the, so I did the same thing with the drivers, uh, the, the, the moped, the, the scooter guys, and I gave them each 100 bucks. It's the same reaction. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, it's cliche. It's a platitude. Giving is better than receiving, et cetera. No, to watch the reaction. And even if I'm given 20 bucks, like the room service guy doesn't speak, give him 20 bucks. And he came back and asked me, without speaking English, like, are you sure? Are you sure? You, this is for me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I said, oh, here, here's another one. <laughs> I, because it made him so happy. And I'm, I'm not bragging up. This is not about me. I am just saying the bigger picture here is about the poverty that people live in. And we forget how lucky, how blessed, how wealthy we are as a country because if you're getting that reaction to $20 or $100 and it's happening every single time and they know the worth of that, it is, it's mind-blowing to me. And I just, that, I, honestly, I just want to give away money while I'm here because well, you see that reaction. Not, it's not customary here. Tipping, Tipping is not customary here. 
I got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take your calls as we continue our broadcast. Historic summit. We'll let the Democrats, the president will try and create some peace in the world and a more stable world where maybe madmen don't get nuclear weapons. So then the left can push their Green New Deal to destroy life as we know it in America and end all prosperity. Um, anyway, we're broadcasting live. We have a great show tonight. Hannity on uh, 9 Eastern and 9 a.m. Vietnam time. Uh, we have uh, the latest on the summit. Uh, Dan Hoffman and Dan Bongino are with us here in Vietnam. Also, Mike Huckabee, Newt Gingrich. Uh, we have some deep state news with Sarah Carter and John Solomon. Also, Jim Jordan, Devin Nunes, and Geraldo. All coming up tonight, 9 Eastern, 9 a.m. Vietnam time. And we'll hope you'll join us. But we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, write down our number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue from Vietnam. All right, as we continue, uh, the Sean Hannity Show in Hanoi as we now head into the 5.30 a.m. hour. Amazing 12-hour difference. Um, and and I want to go back to my story. What's $100 worth in Vietnam currency. What is this? Math of Linda Day? Yeah. Five million. Five million dongs. Okay. So that's what it's. So for them, now, what is, what would that get you in Vietnam? Do we know? I mean, it, well, it would get you what you have to. Actually, I'm just going to stop talking because clearly Blair has more to say in this segment. I'm just going to be quiet. Oh, so you're now cranky and you're mad at Blair. Is that what is happening? You guys have been fighting over the equipment today? <laughs> so a 65 inch flat screen TV is 75,000 uh, dongs. Wow. Yeah. So I just bought like if I give the guy how much was the hundred dollar bill? Uh, five million. And seventy five thousand gets the most flat screen TV. Yeah, well, I might be off on that conversion. <laughs> if you don't know why, am, why, why am we using you? Why are you even talking if you Linda, don't know? Hundred dollars <laughs> is two million three hundred twenty thousand and one hundred Vietnamese dongs. All right, Ethan is looking it up in New York. Yeah. Okay. So I was right. So and is it and what is the cost of a flat screen TV? Though? It was seventy oh seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, I don't know. I, I gotta check. So, so less, still, less than a hundred bucks. It, way less than a hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean when you look at five, I have the currency translator on my phone now because everyone's obsessed with this clearly. So if we're gonna do five million dong, it says two hundred and fifteen uh, U.S. dollars. Two hundred and fifty thousand dong is ten bucks. Wow. So 200, it's like, I think that's a better perspective. Like, I want to know what it'll buy us, buy the people here, though. Let's go shopping. I mean, I Let's find why, out. Let's I want to know shopping. why it took four college degrees to figure that out. That's, you don't want to go shopping? No. Isn't it your favorite thing? <laughs> Riding around on I think that would be a really way, not, neat Have you guys not figured video. out? Sean Hannity and Linda shopping in Vietnam. Okay. What everybody doesn't know is when I go on these trips, I am a recluse. I stay in my You've room. You've done more than me. I haven't gone out at all. I haven't gone. You can't. You're just to stay on New York time is work. It is work. And that's what we've done to basically survive here. But anyway, back to the whole thing. I, again, I'm not patting myself on the back. It's not me. It just is to see the extent that something, you know, that we would take for granted. You throw somebody 20 bucks, whatever it is, and to see tears coming down their eyes. And then thinking of all that we have, give somebody 20 bucks in the United States, oh, thanks. And it impacts their lives in a profound way. It just, it really took me back and made me realize and think, you know, all those things that we're supposed to think every day that we don't think about. And that is how, how lucky, how blessed, you know, how great we have it. And then they'll think, oh, but we have people back in America that want to blow up our system that has created more wealth, more opportunity 
for not just Americans, for people all over the world. And it is it's it's amazing to see how people live. Um, my my other brother-in-law, Timmy, he actually went out. He's crazy. He just starts walking and he walked into some of the poor neighborhoods in Vietnam, not far from, you know, what you would see in the TV camera shot. He says poverty like you've never seen. And then he got lost. Took him two hours. He's trying to Google map out of a skinny little street that doesn't exist on Google. And he tells a pretty funny story about it. But and then people see him and they're like a bunch of kids like following him and looking at him like, who is this person? Why are you in this neighborhood? And it's just very revealing. And I don't know, Linda, what are you what are you all worked up about? Something's bothering you. No, I'm fine. It's time for uh, to talk about blinds. Okay. You're distracted today. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm right here with you. Let's take a vote. How many think she's distracted, Blair? Yeah. Yep, James. The yeah. team is always going to side for, you, for with you. They want the $100. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom, wasn't that pretty? At least Tom is, you know, Tom understood because you saw it. But it was real tears with this guy. It was... I, you know, and it didn't really happen. I I was told about it after I left. I'm like, here, take it. Then he goes, and he's like, figures out what it is. And everyone's telling me, you missed what just happened. You know, I, it makes me want to give 20 bucks to everybody here. It really does. You should. You'll be very popular. I'm not doing it for popularity. You'll have dual citizenship in Vietnam. Oh, good grief. Come back every spring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that sort of like your uh, timeshare in Mexico? Exactly. Okay. Where's Lone Star Transfer when you need them? Yeah, exactly. You still haven't gotten out of it. You're not done with the process yet because you don't hand Karen and, and Brian and Brian the, the stuff. All right, listen, uh, we are in Vietnam. When we come back, we're going to do wide open telephones. I, I don't know if people find this interesting at home, but I, for me, it just blew me away. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number as we continue. We are in Hanoi, we're in Vietnam, and guess what? We're here for a historic summit. What are Democrats doing? Oh, they're fighting to, oh, not build a border wall because it's immoral or allow the president to protect the country from cartels and gang members and 90% of the heroin that comes into America. Oh, and they're also, let's see, oh, human trafficking, even young girls into prostitution, They're not going to build the wall. So that's their focus, along with three days running. While the president's talking about denuclearization of the whole entire Korean peninsula. I love how they lecture him. We support negotiations, but, you know, you legitimized him. Oh, legitimized him to get back, let's see, hostages and remains from the 1950s of American heroes. And, oh, we haven't had rockets fired in, in 15 months. And the Democrats, Michael Cohn, let's not fund the wall. Um, Amazing times we are living in. This is not going to play well for them, just like everything with the Green New Deal, this reckless, extreme, radical, new Democratic Socialist Party. It's not going to work well for them. I had a Mark Penn on Hannity last night. I mean, Mark Penn was Clinton's pollster. Mark Penn understood he and Dick Morris, you know, after the shellacking they got in the first midterms after Hillary Care failed. Uh, then all of a sudden, Newt Gingrich is elected in 94. Republicans in power in Congress for the first time in 40 years. The Bill Clinton that was pushing socialism and Hillary Care all of a sudden said the era of big government is over. End of welfare as we know it. And he got reelected rather easily. In it for a second term. 
Um, that's not happening here. They they think Obama wasn't radical enough. That's how extreme. And it's not just a few Democrats. This is now, you know, a hundred and almost every Democratic 2020 contender. So, you know, forget peace. Forget about the possibility that South Koreans can be nuked one day if North Korea gets a weapon or that Kim Jong-un decides to, you know, keep firing rockets over Japan and precipitating a major international crisis where, oh, hundreds of thousands potentially could die. Forget that part. Let's bring Michael Cohn back three days in a row so we can distract the narrative of the president being in North Korea. It's been set up for a long time. They couldn't find another date. It's not about that. All they want, they are so fixated on their psychotic hatred of Donald Trump. They cannot control themselves anymore. And the media, the the hate Trump media mob is just as bad. You watch their coverage this week. It's going to be 90 percent Michael Cohn, 90 percent Democrats don't want to fund the border, stop the emergency funding and 10 percent of the presidents in Vietnam uh, trying to make a deal to get denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. That's how sick they are. Anyway, Mary Beth is in Arkansas. We start with you, Mary Beth. Welcome to uh, Vietnam. Glad you called. How are you? This is one of the best shows I've ever listened to from y'all. I love it that you're wow. over in Vietnam and, and Hanoi and, and, and covering all this for us. And you being such a great American makes us better Americans. Um, but uh, don't. Well, have I have my fun. flaws, as my staff points out all the time, but go ahead. Well, listen, I think this Cohen guy is kind of like the Groundhog Day. It's time for him to move on down the road. He just keeps coming around. Why would would the lawyers of Michael put him in any further legal jeopardy? He's done. He does not have to do this. And he's facing the... Listen, I knew his kids. I mean, I feel sorry for him and his family. I don't want anybody, you know, to end up, you do something bad, you go to jail. I don't want that for him. Or anybody. But the reality is he's facing the toughest three years of his life. And this is his entree into, you know, what what's the benefit for, for him here? I, I don't see it. I don't get it. I think he's putting himself in legal jeopardy. And I think it's, it's going to be both behind the scenes and in public brutal. Yeah, he got some real bad information. But thank you so much for being over there and, and giving us the uh, insightful trip that you're on. And um, your crew's great. You're great. And be safe over there. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. It means a lot to us. And that's why we do it, because we, want to, we always want to give you the best coverage we can. Um, we have the only interview with the president after the summit, which we're pretty excited about. Well, obviously, we'll know more what happens here. Good to see you fully engaged again. Welcome back. Oh, I'm engaged. Uh-huh. I'm engaged. I'm checked in. I'm ready to go. I'm just checking. Moses is in New Jersey, the all-new AM710 WOR. What's going on, Moses? How are you? Welcome to uh, Vietnam. Thank you, Sean. How about, I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm good, sir. What's happening? All right. So basically, Sean, I've been following a lot of the stuff on your show from Solomon and from Dan Bongino. I just want to know, where is the FISA judge that was lied to and what is he doing and what are the Republicans able to do to, find, to, to, to act on that? You know, it's clear what? as day that there's been obstruction and corruption at the top and there's a paper trail. So I want to know, like, these Republicans, when are they going to get a spine and actually do something? Well, remember, the IG specifically has been tasked with investigating FISA abuse. Since that has happened, we've learned a lot, including the fact that in August of 2016, that Bruce Orr warned everybody at the DOJ, at the FBI, and even Robert Mueller's pit bull, Andrew Weissman, 
that one, Clinton paid for the phony, fake Russian dossier that was used to influence and try to steal an election. Two, that it was never verified or corroborated. And three, the foreign agent Christopher Steele hates Donald Trump. But yet they never verified it. They never corroborated it. They put in a FISA application in October. This is months after they were warned. And they never told the FISA court that Hillary paid for it. They never verified it. We know for a fact because it's full of Russian dossier. Hillary bought and paid for Russian dossier lies. And all of that would be committing a felony, a fraud upon a court for the purpose of denying an American citizen, in this particular case, Carter Page, his constitutional rights. Now, if the attorney general does his job, every person that didn't do their job knowingly did this are going to face serious legal consequences. The, look, the IG is slow. Michael Horowitz, he's the, uh, took forever. But he did give us the struck page tax. He did give us incredible information about, you know, corruption and now criminal investigations into McCabe and Baker and a bunch of other people. And I think there's a lot more to come. And so stay tuned. But we'll, once that report comes out, it's going to be it's going to be a barn burner has to be. Otherwise, we have no we have no country. We'll, you know, we'll shred the Constitution, the rule of law, equal justice, equal application, all gone. Um, I hope that answers your question, Moses. Is that good? Yes, sir. My fear is that if, if this happens, if this happens too slow and it's past the 2020 election, you know, my fear is it's getting politicians that have no reason being there with all this happening, you know, like, like under, uh, in the in the shadows. Uh, listen, I'm telling you that there is this is the biggest abuse of power scandal, corruption scandal in history. They tried to rig the 2016 election so that Hillary would win. That include rigging the investigation when she committed obvious felonies. Even the chief counsel of the FBI said, yeah, she committed felonies. And Comey was the one, you know, fighting to talk him out of that. And then, of course, they wrote the exoneration before the investigation. So it starts there. They allowed the Russian lies to be propagated to the American people, lying to them. Why? So the Americans would think two hookers were in the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow and were urinating in Donald Trump's bed, and it was a lie. By the way, the lies told about Michael Cohn in that dossier. I just, literally, you know, pages long, and they used it. They knew it was false. They didn't care. And then they used it after the election as their insurance policy to unseat a duly elected president. And that's why this whole thing stinks to high heaven. And it has been nothing but corruption. And it's you know what? If we don't get this right, I really fear for our country. And I can't be any more serious than that. Uh, Thank you. Sean is in Anderson in South Carolina. Sean, welcome to Vietnam. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, how you doing, my man? Hey, um. You know, every time I hear you guys talk about uh, AOC, um, you guys need to start reminding your your listeners that she has a four-year degree from Boston University. I think that's a huge story. How how in the world are you guys not getting hold of Boston University and asking them, how are you graduating people like this? How are you getting – it's not like a high school kid – where they're pushing them through the system, she she passed those tests. She earned that degree, and she knows absolutely nothing about economics. She got a degree in economics and in foreign affairs or foreign international relations. But you got to remember, knows- academia 
is, you know, the playground of, you know, all the leftist hippies from the 60s and forward. And, you know, they've been indoctrinating our kids for decades. It's yeah, part of the educational system. The I think you're missing the point, though. They're, these kids should be able to sue that institution and get their money back. I mean, you're, you're not even talking about a little bit being off the, off the mark here. She knows nope. absolutely nothing. Of hey, what Sean, you, you, Sean, you got to understand something here. This is where it's serious. She represents the views of many, many elected Democrats, House and Senate. Look at the 2020 contenders supporting this new Green Deal. You know, we're going to redo everybody's house. We're going to get rid of cows. We're going to get rid of planes. We're going to get rid of cars. I we're going to get rid of I everything. I agree with this caller, yeah. Sean, this, this other Sean, not you. Yeah. Because I really think he makes a good point, which is institutions, they give these kids all this wrong information. This yo-yo AOC goes out into the public. She starts saying all this stuff that she thinks is true because some numb nut at some college told her it was true for four years. Now she's out there. She thinks she's proselytizing the truth. Little does she know. It's she says she's the boss. She's the hogwash. By the way, you better reconsider. I don't know if we can have kids anymore. Oh, no. Can't have kids. Can't have homes. Can't fart. Can't eat meat. And the cows can't fart either. No one's farting in the <laughs> No airplanes. We're going to remodel. And re- like, what's happening at your house? Rebuild every home and everything's but, free. But Sean makes a good point. Someday when she's, you know, a lot older and hopefully wiser, She's going to realize how wrong she is about everything. I guess, and I hope she sues the pants off of Boston University. It, it, but this is almost, I hate to say it, it's almost every college. Oh, no, for sure. This is merely, this is just an example. We're using this school as an example because it created this monstrous uh, mind of AOC, which it literally, I don't know, I don't know what class she attended in economics. But, but, the, but it, listen, forget her. It's it's the magnitude. I'll tell you, there's a good point, too. She, Just I'm, interrupt I'm sorry. Me. I'm sorry. It's the magnitude. I'm engaged. I'm tracking with you. You know, I'm feeling it. I wanted to give you a little information. You know, you wanted some more out of me, and here I am. And you're claiming my time. You know, Maxine. The magnitude, the number of people that buy into this is significant. Oh, yeah. It is real. Oh, yeah. And it is. This is why people homeschool. Well, but you got to remember too. Everything. Look, if you're going to get free education, free health care, but you can't keep your private care, you're going to get you know, guaranteed healthy food, guaranteed sustained wage, guaranteed family medical leave, guaranteed vacations, guaranteed uh, retirement, guaranteed now Elizabeth Warren up in the ante. She's going to have a wealth tax, guaranteed child care, cradle to grave, womb to tomb. Everybody has a natural fear in life. I know because I grew up with it, with with my parents that were civil servants. And let me tell you something. They worried about paying the mortgage. Sure. They worried about their bills. They worried about what would happen when they retired. They worried if they got sick. And that is most people. That was me for, you know, two decades of my life. You know, AOC's paying her her, uh, her folks, what's it, 52 grand? Yeah. Why isn't AOC paying herself 52 grand? She wants equal distribution, right? What's going on with that? Right. How much is she making? A great, a great point. Thank you. And by the way, Bernie Sanders has mansions making a million dollar a year. Why does he even? Yeah, and he puts them in his wife's name. Okay, and why doesn't Nancy Pelosi, a multi multi millionaire? They're mm-hmm. only generous with our money. That's They're right. not generous with their own money. That's we right. sent our cameras. And what's our president doing? We what sent our do? cameras to Nancy Pelosi's district. What do we see in the streets? Homeless people outside of the the enclave of their their gated community. Yeah. What do you see? Homelessness. Mm-hmm. People defecating. Mm-hmm. Drug addicts. 
needles everywhere. Well, she doesn't see that because she's five minutes away in the gated community. She has millions and she doesn't build a homeless shelter herself. I mean, Nancy doesn't know who's president right now. She keeps calling Trump Bush, so we can't really go by Nancy. She's really. Nancy's checked out. She's out to lunch. She's checked out. It's it's over. All right. From Vietnam, it's the Sean Hannity Show. We will continue. Hannity, well, almost three hours away and uh, it'll be 9 a.m. here. We got a great show. I'll tell you about that next. All right, Hannity, tonight, 9 Eastern. Hope you'll join us uh, on the Fox News Channel, 9 a.m., live from Hanoi in Vietnam. And I know the rest of the media, they'll be fixated on Michael Cohn three days in a row before he has to go to prison. And they'll be fixated on, oh, really important things like, oh, $94 trillion on the new Green Deal. Anyway, Dan Bungino, Dan Hoffman with us here in Vietnam. Mike Huckabee, Newt Gingrich, also... Uh, Jim Jordan, Devin Nunes, and Geraldo. All of that and more tonight. Hannity from Vietnam, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tonight at 9, or if you're in Vietnam watching, 9 a.m. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight at 9. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.